Today's reading comes from the book of John, chapter 4, verses 4 through verse 18. We'll be reading from the New International Version. Please follow along in your own Bibles or as the text is presented on the screens above. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you had knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you the living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as also did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give, I give them will not ever thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Ooh. Yeah. That, that does hurt. Yeah. Um, well, evangelism. Uh, it's not a real popular word <laughs> these days, but it's better than evangelical. How's that? <laughs> Uh, but it, it, we, uh, as a culture, as a society, take uh, kind of a dim view of it. And I think part of the problem, at least, is that we don't distinguish between proselytizing and good newsing. Okay? So if you have some really good news, do you want to share it? I mean, honestly, I don't care what it is. Do you want to share it? I ran, uh, what, 6K yesterday. <laughs> good news. I'm sharing it with you. And, but I'm not, I'm not trying to proselytize you. You know, you can run next year if you want. And so, but what, what proselytizing is, is trying to get somebody else to buy into your belief system. And what good newsing is, is just sharing the best news that you've ever heard. And the good news is that God loves everyone. And Jesus Christ is our primo example of, of that love. And it's worth sharing. And it, it's really simple. I mean, when you look at it that way. So, um, it, it only works, though, if this statement is true. My father is always working, and so am I, says Jesus. If that's not true, then I don't want to have anything to do with it, quite frankly, because all I'll be trying to do is either manipulate or persuade out of my own uh, energies, and that's not going to work. didn't work uh, for me when I said yes to Jesus Christ years ago. But I can't imagine anyone in this world, I've never met a person in this world, I don't care who they are, who is as inclusive as Jesus Christ. I mean, he loves everyone. He just, he loves them enough to maybe not leave them where they are, but he loves everyone where they are. 
And uh, we're going to look at this woman today, but I want to, I bet you thought we were still doing our construction, didn't you? You were wrong. And what this is, is a ladder. And just like last week, I used a a pair, what do you call that thing? Peeler, core thing, yeah. You guys remember. Yeah. (laughs) I'm supposed to forget. Anyway, um, a ladder. So last week, I want you to think of Nicodemus as somebody who's at the top of the ladder when we're talking about culture. That, you know, whether religiously, politically, socially, economically, he's at the top. He's an insider. And today, we're going to look at a woman who is very much an outsider, who would be on the first rung of the ladder. And that's what I mean by saying Jesus is so inclusive. He's able to speak. And he brings himself, not a belief system, he brings himself to both. And he offers himself to both. So uh, let's take a look here at this woman at the well. And we're going to use a, here's the outline. It's a crazy meetup. Uh, we'll explain that. That'll be really fast. And then the gift offered. And then what is for us. And then we're going to have communion together, uh, which will flow out of this, hopefully. All right. So Jesus is tired. We see the humanity of, of Jesus. And he's walking actually north. And normally as you walk north, a Jewish person would walk around Samaria. But he decides to go through Samaria. And it's about noon-ish is what the scripture tells us. It's in the middle of the day. So it's hot. And a woman comes by herself uh, to the well. He's there, he's there sitting down, tired, and a woman comes to the well, and he asks her for a drink. And this is where the plot thickens. And uh, things, it, it's a, it, it really is crazy if you can hear it the way it was originally uh, as it unfolded. Let me read to you from verse 7, because it's all here. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. So verse 9, The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? She's really puzzled. And then it says in the parentheses, it says, For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And she knows that, and Jesus knows that. So there's all these customs that are being, uh, I want you to think of Jesus as there's a, there's a construction site and there's barricades there and he goes through every barricade. He just, just blows them away. So the first barricade is between Samaritans and Jews. It's putting it mildly that they do not like each other. They really, they have a lot of history, a lot of bad blood. It's a family feud that goes way, way back in time, way before there was a, uh, I don't know, feud between the 49ers and the Seahawks. I mean, but it's on, it's on that level, okay? And uh, so it, it, it's, it's it, 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 they don't talk to each other. They don't do things uh, like Jesus is doing. And then she was, uh, of course, that's a tautology to say she was a woman. That's, that's uh, of course, she was a woman. But he was a man, and there's a gender gap there, and it would be unthinkable for a man, particularly a Jewish man, to talk one-on-one to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman. So you have a gender gap barrier. First barrier is ethnic, then you've got gender, and then you have this third thing that's hinted at here, and we're going to get into it a little bit, is that there's something in this woman's past that 
makes her come to the well at noon by herself as opposed to in the morning when it's not so hot, when all the other women would come to the well. Something going on there too. There's a barrier there, perhaps a moral, social barrier. And Jesus just blows through that barrier. And again, he is inclusive uh, from the high to the low. He's going to have this conversation with her. And then in verse 10, so we get through that, then the gift is offered. What is the gift? Um, we're going to get to that. Uh, but I want, to, I want to give you something about this word gift here. And uh, this is, I don't know who said it. I didn't know who to credit to. But God wants to give us a gift. And what do we want to do? We want to buy it. That, that's a huge truth. And we continue to want to buy it. Every religious impulse in us wants to buy what God has to offer us for free. And I want you to think of, uh, in, uh, I want you to think of Nicodemus up here. He thinks he's already earned it. He doesn't want to buy it because he already earned it by his life, by his good behavior. And Jesus had some things to say to him, like, you've got to start over. Get off the ladder. You're not even on the ladder. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. But he was so in the establishment, insider up here, and Jesus told him to start over. You've got to be born again. The gospel comes to the high and says you must go low. And he's, he's saying, I'm so wonderful in who I am. But it also comes to the low and it raises them up. And she is saying to herself, I'm so awful, perhaps. It seems something like that. And she's raised up. Everyone wants to buy it. Nicodemus thought he had bought it. The woman doesn't think she'll ever have enough to buy it. The, uh, what Jesus wants to do in this whole passage, we're just taking part one today. What Jesus wants to do is get her to receive this gift. That's what he wants. I mean, it's just, we're going we're gonna to see the first part of this, the first, but that, that's, that's where he's going here. And if you look at him, look at how crafty he is, how subtle he is, how he persuades her gently, moves her along in the conversation. You're going to see that unfold here. And so he begins with, and he's at a well, and so what would, you, what would be a good image, if you're at a well there, I mean, there's not a whole lot around, you've got a few, maybe trees and things like that, but he chooses what? Water. And uh, what, a, what a great metaphor. Last week, uh, when he was with Nicodemus, what, what was the, it was wind. And maybe it was a windy night. Some commentators think that. that. Nicodemus, you hear that wind blowing? That's what has to happen to you. That wind is the Spirit of God. And unless you open up your heart and allow that wind to blow through you, uh, you have no shot at this life. So he, ch- he chooses water. What do we know about water? How many ran the, the thing yesterday? The 6K, yeah, the thing. Sorry, Tiffany. Didn't mean to call it the thing. But it was what, about, all about water. Water is life. And water is life. I mean, how many inches of rain do we get a year? Too many. 50? I don't know. Uh, but in this climate, it, arid climate, it, water is absolutely life. Without water, there is no life. Do you know that your body is made up of, uh, what, 50%, 60% water? And it's, it's a big deal. And so uh, she, he offers water, it seems, to her. That's the metaphor he's going to use. And she's puzzled. She doesn't understand what is he talking about. 
just like Nicodemus didn't understand what Jesus was talking about when he said, you have to start over and the wind and all that. And he, just, he was puzzled by it all. And, um, but more mysterious, he says, it's not just water. What kind of water is it? It's living water. Well, that's weird. For, I mean, if somebody offered you not a glass of water, but living water, you, you, okay, there's something special about this. There's something about this that has a special quality. And he explains that when you drink this, it, it's going to do something inside of you where um, you'll have this sort of well or spring inside of you. And you don't have to go there anymore because it'll just be inside of you. And she uh, continues to think H2O, and it, it's just puzzling even the more to her as he explains it more. And so Jesus does something here that it just, remember the, the phrase, the Latin phrase I used last week, non sequitur? I don't, by the way, I don't know a lot of Latin, but this is, this is basic Latin. It's a non-sequence. He's, he's trying to get the logic here, it, it seems, but when you look at it, it seems like there's no logic to this. Why does he ask her about her husband? We're talking about living. He goes from living water to husband. <sighs> okay. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine Patty talking about me that way somehow, you know, connecting me with living water. What's he doing? Well, um, he asked her if she has a husband. If, if, go get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And he compliments her, which is really interesting. You always build bridges where you can. <laughs> he compliments her and he says, that's true. You don't have a husband. There's something you've left out, though. You've had five. And the man you're now living with is not your husband. So that's a big omission, is it not? <laughs> but Jesus doesn't make her feel guilty. He doesn't do that. He doesn't make her, he doesn't shame her. He just points it out. And he's uncovering something here that she doesn't want uncovered. Now we have to be really cautious here. And uh, especially, I, I feel like these women in the Bible, sometimes they get reputations they don't deserve. As uh, maybe some of you feel that way today, but maybe we all do. I don't know. But she has, um, there's some mystery here. And we have to be careful to not uh, overcategorize her. First of all, we have no idea if these husbands, if they're divorces or, or deaths. We just don't know. And if they were divorces, it's always the man who files for divorce in that culture. You could, as a woman, you had no power to do that. So, you know, I mean, she may have had a, a bad picker, as they say. She just picked the wrong guys and they were... And, and that's the other thing. She could have been abused by, by five different husbands. So there may be a, I'm, a lot of wounds associated with this that Jesus is starting to uncover in her. You just have to be careful here. Um, and there's, some, we, there, there's a few things we can know for sure, and that is that in that day, the rabbis, who were those who kind of helped people figure out how to do life, said, this is, it, it, they said no more than three, three marriages. And that's, a, that's like uh, a lifetime whatever. Uh, what's that when they, you know, like three strikes you're out thing, but only, no, I didn't mean it that way, but you just, you, you, you don't, you don't go over that number, whether it's death or divorce. That was kind of the common wisdom of that day from the rabbis. So she's exceeded that. We know that about her. And uh, we know that also that she is scandalous put it that way, living with a man that she's not married to. That would, that would not have, that's outside the boundaries as well. 
And we do know just from the text, the little hints here, that there's something in her past that she's carrying with her that she doesn't want Jesus to know. And there's a reason why she comes at noon and not earlier. So there is the stigma attached to her somehow. And that stigma could be related to hurts in her or guilt in her or both, which would be my guess that as life is, is that way. And so uh, I, I hope you have uh, a sense of who this woman might be. She, by the way, I, I'm not going to get to this today, but this is a good place to say it. She becomes the first evangelist in the Bible. She's an amazing woman, which just says Jesus is really amazing because she's down there at the bottom. And Nicodemus, well, he's kind of slow. Men, I'm not going to make a generalization here, but sometimes men are slower. Sometimes, right? And he's slow, uh, as we looked at last week. But she, she's pretty rapid in her, once she gets it, she goes and tells people. We'll get, we'll get to that next week. So it, 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 she's, a, she's an amazing person. But what I want to see, and then I, we'll, we'll wrap this up. But what, the thing I want you to see is there's got to be a correlation here if you read the text carefully, if you really listen to the text, between the five husbands and the man she's now living with and the fact that she comes to that well every day, she keeps doing something over and over again that's not life-giving for her. There's a craving in her soul for something, and she's not able to get it through marriage. And if you expect, we could, you could say this about many things, but if you expect to get eternal life or abundant life out of a marriage... It's not going to work for you. Jesus is just simply, and it could be anything. It could be your career. It could be anything. It's, relationships cannot carry that kind of load, that kind of weight. And it's what Jesus is saying. I have something better. I have living water. And when you drink of it, it will nourish you. It will supply you. It will be life-giving to you in a way that you have yet to know. This is Jesus. That's Jesus. So uh, the third part, the part of this that we want to get to before communion is, what is it, what's in it for us? I'm just going to hit on a couple of things here. And um, I want you to see, uh, when it comes to uh, sharing our faith, it's really about sharing Jesus. But I want you to look at how different Jesus does with Nicodemus. He is, he's in his face. He's very direct. He says... I mean, he's, he's like, I don't know, you got to start over. You think you're here, but you're really down there. He's, he uses sarcasm. I don't know if you remember this from last week, but he says, you're the great teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? You know, he's kind of biting. He's, he loves Nicodemus enough to hurt him a little bit to get him healed. Remember that from last week? But with the woman at the well... He is very subtle and gentle and patient. And, you know, she's, we'll see next week how she tries to deflect and misdirect and kind of get, him, get the spotlight off of herself. And then she sort of finally just gives in and realizes that I can be known and loved at the same time. Woohoo! That's the gospel. Known and loved at the same time? No more shame? I, I can come out here at 8 in the morning just in no problem? Yeah, it's the gospel. But Jesus gets there. He offers himself to both. That's the common thing. But
but he uses uh, a different approach with both. And then secondly, back to where we started, but he, Jesus is not sharing a belief system with this woman, nor did he share that with Nicodemus. What does he offer? He offers himself. Belief systems aren't life-giving. If you're carrying around a belief system and you're calling it Christianity, that's not quite right. There's a living Savior who wants to live in you and gives you living water to live as a source of life. And we're all, you know, half-baked. Let's just put it that way. We're all in need of every day saying, Jesus, fill me again with that living water. But the living water makes us thirsty for him and not for other things that can't satisfy us. And then finally, uh, John has this thing in his gospel. Um, we're gonna, well, well, we're not going to get there, but chapter 7. John loves to talk about water. There's a lot of things John loves to talk about, like light and, and life and abundant life and all that stuff. But he uses water, and in chapter 7 you see that. But then again, at the end of the, of the uh, gospel, in chapter 19, some of the last words, I think it's the second to the last statement that Jesus makes from the cross, he says. Just, now remember who's saying this. The one who said, I am living water, is going to say, I am thirsty. That's... You know, that's, those are words for the artist to figure out how, how that can be. The one who is living water is the one who says, I thirst. But the one who says, I thirst, is the living water who is poured out for those who are thirsty. It is the gift of life. It is here in this communion table. We don't use water, but it's the same idea. It is the gift of life. The gift that you can't earn. The gift that you come and receive and say, thank you. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Amen.